Hey folks, it's Dr. Sam and I'd like to welcome you to my Eye Clarity Podcast. Unbelievable, we are at Podcast 82. So today's show, I'm going to be talking about uh, a lot of different conditions. This is going to be a Q&A show, but uh, I have some guests lined up as we move into 2020. And uh, these are guests who I'm interested in, who I think you will be interested in. And uh, we'll be talking about a variety of different topics and subjects, so stay tuned for that. Before I get into my Q&A today, I want to announce my upcoming online course, Creating Your Personal Vision. This is a class for both lay people and professionals, anyone who's interested in strengthening their eyes and vision, improving their brain function, learning about wellness from a physical, emotional, and energetic perspective. I'm going to be teaching principles about color and light therapy. We're going to be learning about how to use medicinal essential oils. And I'm going to talk about the importance of diet and nutrition, you know, what foods we should be eating to strengthen our eye-brain connection. We're going to be doing some meditations. And uh, also, I'm going to be teaching some physical vision therapy uh, exercises. These are things that I've developed. And so if, you know, you can't come out to New Mexico, you're not getting any answers with your own doctors, then this is a great way to plug in and improve your own visual system. It's being proactive. It's learning how to take better care of your health and wellness. And it's a great investment if you uh, can do it. So I will uh, put the link on the, uh, the notes section of this podcast. You can also go to my website, drsamburn.com, and click on online course, and that will take you to the page where you can register. If you've got any questions, you can contact me at appointments at drsamburn.com. Okay. So we're ready to uh, start in on our first question, and this is from Marge. She's from Southport, North Carolina. Dear Dr. Byrne, I'd love to ask if you have any comments, advice, or ideas on help, how to help people with tinnitus or tinnitus. I've had severe anxiety for 35 plus years now, and have tried so many things over the years, including the AlphaStim device. I started using the AlphaStim device in July 2019, and by early August, I had developed tinnitus. Immediately stopped using the AlphaStim. They have no explanation as to why this happened, but it has. Now I don't know what to do about it. I was wondering if you had any ENT experience. This is ears, nose, and throat. I would appreciate any feedback. Some doctors have said that I have cochlear nerve inflammation. What is that? So I appreciate your perspective. 
All right, Marge. Well, let's unpack this a little bit. So uh, tinnitus is actually uh, a symptom. It's a symptom where people will have a perception of noise or ringing in the ears. Now, this is a, actually a pretty common problem that affects somewhere between 15 to 20 percent of people in the uh, population, the U.S. population. But tinnitus isn't a condition by itself. So I want you to, first of all, get that, that there's, there's an underlying imbalance that's going on <clears throat> and it's creating the symptom of ringing in the ears. Um, now, some other uh, factors that could be, you know, causing this particular situation, many. Any kind of trauma. So if you've had any whiplash, head injuries, um, any head trauma, traumatic brain injury. Uh, more and more, I see people with uh, conditions like tinnitus or balance issues. And this takes me back when I used to do my hospital work and I was a consultant with several hospitals and uh, I worked in the physical therapy rehabilitation uh, area of the hospital. These were mostly outpatient, although I did do some inpatient work as well. And these were people who had experienced uh, some level of trauma and it affected either their eyes, their ears, their brain, their balance, their memory, their focus. And in developing a protocol uh, in rehabilitation, one of the things that uh, I observed, especially when people uh, were diagnosed with tinnitus, is that they had an issue with their inner ear. And we call the inner ear the vestibular system. In fact, uh, Marge, you bring up something called the cochlear nerve. And the cochlear nerve is also called the vestibular cochlear uh, system. It's uh, the acoustic neuron. And it has two parts. One is um, vestibular based and the other is auditory sensory based. And that inner ear is made up of little tiny stones or bones. We call this the vestibular system. And it's intimately related to the eyes. In fact, there's a test that I do called the vestibular ocular reflex. And it's a test where I slowly will spin somebody for maybe four or five rotations in each direction. And then I have them look at a pen light. And I'm observing if they have eye movements, we call this nystagmus. And if they have either an underacting or an overacting vestibular ocular reflex, the nystagmus will either be um, non-existent or it will go on and on and on. So the average nystagmic, uh, nystagmus movement is somewhere between 10 to 20 seconds after you've been done spinning. But I would say there's a high percentage of people um, who either have no vestibular response or they have an over vestibular response. In either case, Sometimes this is a contributing factor to the symptom of ringing in the ears. So there's something that's going on on the vestibular area that's creating this perception 
of ringing, noise, what have you. Now, here are some of the factors that I uh, identified in my hospital work. Number one, trauma. So any trauma that you've had to the head area, you are susceptible to uh, developing these symptoms. Number two is inflammation. And in the cranial nerves, especially in the head area, it's not uncommon that, you know, again, if you've been under chronic stress, if you've, in your case, you've had anxiety, uh, what happens to both the biochemistry and the intestinal health and the neurochemicals of the brain? This is setting up a scenario where on a cellular level, there's probably some low to medium grade inflammatory response going on. So what our body does when we meet stress and it's chronic stress, probably cortisol is being produced in the body through the adrenals, uh, which is our stress hormone. This may also be affecting our overall endocrine system, our pineal, our pituitary, um, our thyroid. So inflammation and trauma, they go together like hand and glove. Now, there's a lot of, um, there are so many of these techniques out there now um, that induce kind of more electrical charge on our brain and body. And that's precisely what AlphaStim does. AlphaStim, which you refer to, is actually you um, it's a portable device you put these uh, clips on your ears and what what the machine does is it actually starts to uh, stimulate some of the electrical charge in the brain now the issue with all of these devices whether it's alpha stim neurobiofeedback um, you know any of these machines there isn't uh, necessarily a dial that really deals with the sensitivity of the person receiving the treatment. And I think that um, you're on the right track. I'm going to give you several things to explore, but it may be that your system just got so overwhelmed from the alpha stim treatment that this triggered uh, what was already weak in the vestibular system, which created this tin, uh, tinnitus or tinnitus. Okay, so in my um, in my protocol, there are a couple things that I think you should take a look at. Number one, I think working with either a naturopathic doctor or a functional medicine doctor and getting a deep assessment of what's going on with your intestinal health. Now, people always write me and say, what, am I, what does my gut have to do with my eyes? Well, what it has to do with is that everything in our body is interrelated and interconnected. And there's some researchers out there that have said that 70% of our intestinal health reflects things like our immune system and our brain health and our neurological health. And some of the influencers out there in functional medicine, think people like Mark Hyman or David Perlmutter, um, Chris Kessler, they often draw a line 
connecting the intestinal health with our brain health. And there's a lot of research to back this up. Um, so the bottom line is, is that when we're working with any part of the sensory system, eyes, ears, I tend to look at those as an external part of the brain. And I can prove this because if we go back to prenatal development and we look at the fetus's brain developing, we can actually start to see the ears and the eyes growing out from the brain. And so every tissue of the ear and the eye at some point has its origination in the brain. So in that conversation, the intestinal health is very important. Uh, I mean, we, we feel, when I say we, the holistic medical community believe that if we can in, reduce inflammation in the gut, improve dietary absorption, that this goes a long way at improving brain health and in my world, sensory motor uh, processing. I see this a lot with all the kids I work with, with autism and Down syndrome and special needs. Uh, and I'm always addressing that as number one. So functional medicine doctor, naturopathic doctor. Number two, I would consider finding a really skilled uh, craniosacral therapy, somebody who's focused on what we call the biodynamic aspect of the cranial rhythm of the brain. And what biodynamic means is that we're trained in a way where we're really addressing the fluid health. The fluid health could be our lymphatic system. And I want to spotlight that for a minute because a lot of people develop these very weird conditions because their lymphatic system is not working properly. And if we are sedentary, if we're not getting exercise, um, again, if we've had stress or trauma, toxicities, tends to affect our lymphatic health. And in acupuncture, the, the lungs and the lymph go hand in hand. So this takes us to our respiratory health, our oxygenation. Whenever we get pain or inflammation anywhere in our body, we're not getting enough oxygenation and hydration in those particular areas. So the lymphatic system, which is what craniosacral biodynamic therapists focus on, will help you engage your lymphatic health better. This is part of your immune system. It's part of your detoxification system. Number Another point with the biodynamic cranial people, they're looking at the cerebral spinal fluid, the blood, the, the, the fluid in the fascia and the connective tissue. And the key is that, especially with the inner ear, if we can create more subtle movement of the bones and the fascia and the connective tissue around the face, uh, this actually can begin to discharge uh, some of these symptoms like tinnitus and uh, pain, um, inflammation, and so on. So finding a good biodynamic cranial person would be number two. Now, number three would be uh, to uh, perhaps do some investigation with some of the uh, trauma and anxiety you're dealing with. And perhaps at that point, looking for some kind of a modality that would release this old trauma, which is probably part of the uh, 
uh, scenario in what triggered the tinnitus to begin with because I suspect that the alpha stim brought up this hidden trauma that had been there for a long time, coupled with the anxiety. When you begin to release those things, it really makes a change in your mood, your energy, your sensory motor functioning. So if you're going to go into perhaps some kind of trauma release, there's something called some somata emotional release. This was invented by Peter uh, Levine. He wrote a book called Waking the Tiger. And uh, his therapists are adept at helping people uh, release trauma from the body. Another thing that I would consider would be doing a round of color and light therapy. You know, in my practice and at the hospitals, I applied color and light therapy to every person because I found that when people looked, especially at the, the green color, the blue, the blue color, the blue green, and the purple, these particular colors really calmed down the nervous system and open up the visual system. It was very relaxing. And a lot of times it would also help reduce edema and, um, and pain. So color therapy would be something that would be non-invasive, uh, very non-confrontational, and it would be a way for you to perhaps access um, some healing in, in that area using this energetic medicine. Two more points. I think the physical vision therapy that engages, engages the vestibular system with the visual system would be paramount for you. You know, in some of my videos, I talk about uh, vertigo. I, had, I did a whole series on vertigo. And I think of the, the sacred triangle, which is our eyes, our ears, and our feet. And in physical eye therapy and, and how I do it, as I start helping people develop better balance and orientation using their eyes and ears in a balanced way, they connect more to their feet. And this creates this sacred triangle, which immediately balances the visual vestibular function and it also helps them with balance and orientation. You know, when I was at the hospitals, I developed this form of prism therapy that we use different prisms that actually stimulated the visual peripheral vision along with the vestibular system. And I got to tell you, it was profound in getting people to um, improve their, their balance, their gait, and so on. Okay, well, so I hope that uh, I hope that these things are helpful, Marge. I know a lot of people are suffering this condition, and um, I appreciate the uh, the question. Okay, I'm going to take um, one more question, and this is a question uh, that Ray is asking, um, dear Doctor Byrne. I've been listening to your podcasts and watching your Instagram for over a year. I live in Tucson, Arizona, and uh, I suffer a condition called pterygium. 
I've been to an ophthalmologist and he scraped the pterygium off, but then it came back. I suffer dry eye and I also suffer floaters. What can you do for me? All right, so the eye is made up of mostly connective tissue. A pterygium is a growth uh, over the white part of the eye that actually begins to impinge on the cornea, the, the iris, uh, and it can actually grow over the entire center of the eye, the cornea. It tends to happen in climates that are uh, dry. So the desert southwest, uh, the desert southwest is um, a place where I see a lot of both pingueculas, which is the early form of pterygium, and the pterygiums. So there's a, an overall dryness in the collagen, and this is creating uh, this growth of the connective tissue. So in all of your conditions, dry eye, floaters, and pterygiums, they're all connected, and it comes down to this you must be able to increase your oxygenation and hydration to the eye tissue. And because of the concentration of blood vessels in the eye, when we start developing, you know, th these kinds of uh, imbalances, it's due to the fact that we're not getting enough circulation to those areas. So number one on my list would be start doing the MSM 4% eye drops. You can get those from Sunstar Organics. I would do those about eight to 10 times a day. In the evening, I would get yourself some hexane-free organic castor oil. And after you put in your last MSM eye drop, I would take a drop of the castor oil and I would massage it into the eyelids. Number three, I would do at least 1,500 to 2,000 milligrams of omega-3 fatty acids every day. I would consider a very high quality uh, eye vitamin. One that I like is called Ocuforce by Designs for Health. I like that one because it's got the B complexes, which is very important for corneal health, vitamin A, uh, vitamin C, E, and then lots of trace minerals, lutein, zeaxanthin, bilberry, quercetin. So in other words, really boosting the antioxidants. I would eat a uh, primarily a plant-based diet, focusing on uh, foods that reduce inflammation, because this is another factor in all three conditions, dry eye, pterygium, and floaters. I would consider going to an acupuncturist and get the state of your liver health. You know, the liver rules the eyes in Chinese medicine and getting some acupuncture could improve the congestion that is created in the eye. I would consider doing a detox and this is where you might uh, work with a naturopathic doctor or functional medicine doctor. I suspect that there's some toxins floating around there. I would explore your dental health. So if you've had root canals, mercury amalgams, this could also affect all three of these conditions. And overall, you want to protect your eyes both from the sun and also the blue light from digital devices. 
So wearing a sun lens when you go outside and a blue blocker when you're working on your digital device. However, it's also important for you to get about 30 minutes of natural sunlight every day. You don't have to look directly in the sun, but light is a food. It's very important for our eyes. So these would be the places that I would start. Um, I think that uh, the MSM is critical. You might consider also doing the MSM powder or capsules because MSM boosts the collagen and it also reduces inflammation. So when you do the eye drops, you're working on the micro level, the eyes, the local level. And when you do the MSM powder or capsules, you're working on the macro level or the systemic level. So these would be the places that I would start. It's a process. I wouldn't do any more surgery. Um, I think that with dry eye and with floaters, it's going to take some persistence, some patience, and some real breakthroughs in your diet and your lifestyle to be able to make the changes that you're after. So uh, Ray from Tucson, I wish you the best of luck and thank you so much for the question. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, that is our show. It is a wrap, Podcast 82. So if you want to get in touch with me, uh, you can always do so through my website, drsamburn.com. I also do a weekly Facebook Live show, 5 p.m. Pacific time. If you're inclined to do that, you can send me a question. Lots of ways to get in touch with me. Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, uh, through my podcast. All right, everybody, until next time, take good care. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsambyrne.com. The Byrne Method is a trademarked signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.